بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول الکریم اما بہت الحمد للہ tonight is the 21st of march in the year 2023 and alhamdulillah the lesson month of sha'aban has been completed tonight being the 30th so inshallah tomorrow night will be the first night of the holy month of ramadan so we pray to almighty allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he blesses us in the remaining part of this month of sha'aban and conveys safely to the holy month of Ramadan. Amen. So, with regards to the holy month of Ramadan, as is known to one and all, the fasts are the obligatory part of the month. But what's very important to highlight is that in the Quran, in Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2 verse 185, Allah the Almighty and Glorious, when He mentions Ramadan, He does not mention the fast first. He mentions the Quran first. Shahrul Ramadan, in the month of Ramadan, we have revealed the Quran. And shortly thereafter, He mentions the fast. So the scholars point out that this shows that the Quran is the first port of call when it comes to the holy month of Ramadan. Because Allah the Almighty and Glorious mentions this first. So to spend a session discussing the Glorious Quran. So as is well known, wherever the Quran is recited, blessings descend. In a hadith in Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf 7-327-8 Sahih Al-Bidayah Abdullah Ibn Abbas he said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he turned away the jinn and then they heard the Quran. When they came to the Prophet وسلم, and heard him reciting, they said, listen. Then the shayateen went to Iblis and informed him about this. And he said, this is an event which has occurred on earth. So bring me some dust from every part of the earth. They did so. And when they brought him the earth of Tihama, Iblis said, this is where the event occurred. Subhanallah. So let's look at this. So this is the famous incident where the jinn listened to Rasulullah's recite. And when they listened, they actually listened with rapt attention. They said to each other, listen. But then the shayateen, they informed the Amir Aishaytan himself and he did not know where this incident took place. So he told his henchmen, get me some dust from every part of the earth. So it was interesting. He wanted to know where this incident took place. So when they brought the earth to Shaitan, the earth of Tihama, he goes, this is where that incident took place. So what's the significance? Subhanallah, note how the accursed Shaitan detected the divine blessings when our beloved Messenger had recited from the Quran. 
In addition to the fact, this should give one and all a great incentive to constantly recite from the Quran, i.e. to secure such priceless blessings. So what happened? Where the Prophet recited, وسلم, that earth was bombarded with blessings. So the question is, was this only for the Prophet? And the answer the scholars say, obviously, for his maqam, yes. But wherever the Quran is recited, that part of the earth starts to become blessed. So Shaitan, this is why he said to his henchmen, go and get me the earth. And when they brought the earth where the Prophet had recited, he goes, this is where that incident. So how did he know that? Because he was an alim. So what does that tell you? If you want blessings to come to any part of the world, recite the Quran. The Quran will, you know, it's like a magnet to the divine blessings. And like I mentioned many times, one of the companions was reciting. And then he saw lanterns in the night sky. When he informed the Prophet the next day, the Prophet said, they were the angels. They were listening to your recital of the Quran. And if you had not stopped, they would not have hidden themselves from the people. Because during the day, everybody would have seen the angels. So this is a hadith in Sayyid Muslim. Imam Nawawi said, now we learn that the Quran attracts angels. <laughs> angels are attracted to the Quran. So blessings accrue on the earth and the angels are attracted. And this is why where there are problems in certain places, i.e. demonic spirits or the rest of it, just beside the Quran. See what happens. Right? The Quran is the purifier. Such was the impact of the glorious Quran descending upon Rasulullah that we have the following interesting report. In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad number 27,028, Sahih al-Bidayah, Asma bint Yazid said, I was holding the reins of Al-Adba, the she-camel of Rasulullah, when the whole of Surah Al-Ma'idah was revealed to him. Subhanallah, due to the burden of this surah, the upper leg of the she-camel was bruised. <coughs> Subhanallah, due to the burden of it, I surat al-Maidah upon him, the upper leg of the she-camel was bruised. <laughs> so now let's look at this. The camels are called the ships of the desert. They are designed by Allah subhanahu wa to fahama. You give them water, they can go months without water. They design you know, like you say, like a sturdy old wagon. For something to put pressure upon that animal, which not only causes it to kneel, but to bruise, what monumental pressure has to be placed upon it? Rasulullah was sitting on the camel. Allah Ta'ala revealed Surah Al-Ma'idah, the whole of it. And the camel was bruised. The upper leg of the camel got bruised due to the, the weight of the revelation. So now question, why didn't it impact Rasulullah? He was receiving the Quran. The answer was, it was uh, impacting him. He got a few blessed grey hairs. And Abu Bakr jokingly said, Ya Rasulullah, you've grown old. And the Prophet wasalam, said, and he mentioned Surah, Surah Hud and her sisters have made me grow old. Because when the Quran was being revealed, the Prophet was being affected by it. But Allah, Allah prepared him for the Quran. So, what does that tell you? 
The impact of the Quran is phenomenal. Indeed, when the Quran is being recited, one should show the utmost reverence and awe. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, whenever Jibreel descended, Rasulullah used to lower his head to his chest and listen in silence to him. And after he departed, he would recite it just as Allah, the Almighty, the All-Powerful promised him. <laughs> this is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 5, Sayyid Muslim, number 448. So Jibreel came with the Quran, and the Prophet, he'd lower his head to his chest. So his chin, his blessed chin would touch his chest. He'd just lower his head. When the Quran was being passed to him by Jibreel, and he was in silence. And when Jibreel left, the Prophet would recite what was revealed to him. So the scholars say this was, this is the Sunnah. Now Quran is recited. People on their phones, people looking at the sky. Tarawi people yawning in Tarawi when Quran's recited. So that's in Salat. You know, in Salat you're usually, you know, guarding your senses even more so. But even in Salat, the guy's looking at the clock. Right? So what do you notice? Our connection to the Quran is gone. Right? And the Ramadan, the holy month of Ramadan, forces you back to the Quran. It was interesting. Everywhere you go, Quran is being recited. You notice that? People on their phones, instead of looking at stupid things, they're reading Quran. You go to the masjid, people normally picking their nose, reading Quran. Right? And then when it comes to the end, everybody's reading Quran. No, no, brother, I've got time, I'm going to read Quran. And it's the Quran. Why are they turning to the Quran? Because it's the Sunnah. Allah Ta'ala says, I have revealed in Ramadan the Quran. It doesn't mention fasting. Fasting is mentioned later in the verse. And yet a lot of people focus on fasting, which is obviously obligatory. But you've missed something, brother, which Allah Ta'ala has highlighted. So note the Quran, i.e. you should focus upon it, i.e. certainly in this glorious month. The other thing which is important is that the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Saad wal Qur'ani vidhikr. Saad, the Quran is the dhikr. So Allah Ta'ala has actually called the Quran dhikr. But he's called it al-dhikr, the dhikr. Now why is, it, why is that interesting? Because our beloved messenger had said, sallallahu alayhi wa hasten to do good works before you become occupied and strengthen the bond between you and your Lord by abundantly remembering Him. This is in Ibn Majah number 1071, Behaki in Ishu'abbal Iman number 2879. So the Prophet said two things here, be quick to do good. When you've got free time, be quick before Allah starts putting things upon you. And then look what he said, something fascinating, strengthen your relationship with your Lord by abundantly remembering Him. So how do we strengthen our connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? By dhikr. In Ramadan, we've turned to the greatest dhikr. So Allah ta'ala has given you a hint here why He's doing that. He wants you to have a connection with Him. You ask a person, what is that? why do you fast? How many different answers people give? Allah Ta'ala says, He has given you fasting so you acquire taqwa. Mm -hmm. But how do you acquire taqwa? 
right? You know, just by stopping eating and drinking. In that case, those who are dieting should have taqwa, according to your standard. So the fast is all about controlling the senses. But how do you strengthen your relationship with Allah Ta'ala? The Quran. Abu Huraira, he said, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he once saw a man chasing a pigeon. He thereupon said, Shaitanan yatba'u shaitanata. There goes a shaitan chasing another shaitan. This is in Abu Dawood number 4940, Ibn Majah number 3765. So let's look at this. So a man was chasing a pigeon. What was he doing? God knows. <laughs> right? Chasing a pigeon. So how did the Prophet describe the pigeon? Shaitan. And how did he describe the man chasing the pigeon? He goes, Shaitan. Shaitan's chasing Shaitan. Does that mean sh- pigeons are shaitans? No. Mawlana Ashraf Ali Thang, with Ahmadullah he clarified in his work, A Sufi Study of Hadith, page 202 of the English translation. Whatever takes you from the remembrance of the Almighty is your shaitan. Amongst the Sufis, this is a well-known saying. In this hadith, the pigeon is referred to as shaitan only because the man chasing it had forgotten about everything else, including the Almighty. So how is this linked to Ramadan? People say shaitans are locked up. Have you had that in Masha'ala? all time in Ramadan. And then you say, well, yeah, but we've got our own shaitans, haven't we? And the person goes, what do you mean we've got our own shaitans? Anything that takes you away from Allah Ta'ala's remembrance is a shaitan for you. So think about that. In Ramadan, you should be focused on this. What is taking me away from Allah Ta'ala? That's my shaitan. So if it's the internet, if it's the mobile phone, if it's you know God knows what else, that's your shaitan. And there's no point saying, who said it's shaitan? The Prophet mentioned the pigeon. The pigeon isn't a shaitan. It became a shaitan when the person was chasing after it and he had nothing on his mind except the pigeon. So what should we be focused upon the Quran? Right? Allah, Allah is telling you a dhikr, the remembrance. Turn to the remembrance. Imam Malik, rahmatullahi, he stopped everything and he just focused on the Quran. So when I say stopped everything, it wasn't like me and you stopping a few, you know, darsi. He knew he was a mujtahid imam. Everything stopped because Quran. Because this is the month of the Quran. And what did Sayyidina Ali say? Radiallahu. La khayra fi qira'atin laysa fiha tadabbura wa la ibadatin laysa fiha fiqha. There is no real benefit in reciting the Quran in which there is no reflection. No in any act of worship in which there is no cognition. This is in Deilami, it is Musnad al-Firdos 1-135. So this is a problem. People are obsessed with khatams. Mm-hmm. How many khatams are you going to do, brother? You're going to hear that as well, Allah. Khatams, right? And then you go, uh, I don't know, brother. Why should I tell you anyway? Mm-hmm. So, what's this khatam obsession? Mm-hmm. What did Sayyidina Ali say? There is no benefit in reciting the Quran in which there is no tadabbur. Mm-hmm. There is no reflection. Mm-hmm. So, if you're just reciting the Quran, is there any tadabbur in that? No tadabbur. Mm-hmm. Your object is just to get to the end of it. So what he said was, La khayra fi There's no goodness in it. Meaning, you're getting scraps. Then he said, 
nor in any act of worship in which there's no fiqh. Meaning if you don't protect your ibadat, knowing what's fadad, what's wajib, pointless. In fact, it's dangerous. You might be committing sins. But what's relevant to the subject at hand is the first, the Quran. Right? So what is important? Yes, recite the Quran. But more importantly, try to understand what Allah Ta'ala is telling you. You have to open up these avenues to yourselves. Otherwise, Sayyidina Ali, and who knows better the Sharia than him? He goes, La khayra fi qira'atin laysa fiha tadabbura. There is no benefit in reciting the Quran in which there is no reflection. Ten khatams, twenty khatams, knock yourself out, brother. Right? Allah Ta'ala hasn't given you for khatams. Right? Wouldn't it be more important, like Abdullah ibn Abbas said, he said, I would rather recite a short surah of the Quran with understanding than to finish the entire Quran without understanding. <laughs> Who knows more of the Quran than Ibn Abbas? <laughs> so he, what surah the scholars say? He was referring to surah Qari'ah. Short surah, five, six lines. If you reflect upon that surah with understanding, according to Ibn Abbas, it's better than a khatam. <laughs> and yeah, what is your nafs? No, it isn't. What is your nafs then? <laughs> Right? Allah Ta'ala wants you to connect to the Quran so you can connect with Him. <coughs> it is no wonder then that our beloved Messenger said, Sallallahu whenever you pass by the meadows of the garden, revel in them. They asked, what are the meadows of the garden? Rasulullah said, Majalis al-Dhikr. In Tirmidhi, number 3432, Ahmad in his Musnad, number 1265, Behaki in his Shu'ab iman number 557. So two things the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When you pass by the meadows of the garden, revel. They asked, what are the meadows of the garden, Ya Rasulullah? He said, Majalif al-Zikr. The gatherings of Zikr are the gardens of paradise. And he goes, revel in them. You know, like you like look forward to eating a meal. You revel in it. He goes, you should be so eager for these gatherings. But in another wording, the Prophet said, teaching sessions. This is in Tabarani in his Kabir, number 10,095. So the gardens of paradise are teaching sessions. So where is the blessed, best place for the gatherings of zikr and teaching sessions? The masjids. <laughs> so when you come to the masjid, that's the best place to study the Quran. You can study the Quran wherever you want. But the best place is the masjid. Why? Because the Prophet mentioned that whoever comes to the masjid to learn or to teach, he gets the reward of an accepted hajj. In Tabarani, an accepted umrah. Imam Malik's Muwatta, he goes home with spoils. Allah Ta'ala has given you maximum rewards in the masjid. Right? So again, note, this is another port of call in the month of Ramadan. How simply and beautifully did our Mawla Sayyidina Ali sum it up when he said, there is no devotion better than reflection. There is no devotion better than reflection. This is in Tabarani in his Kabir number 2622, Behaki in his Shu'abbal Iman number 4469, Al-Qudai in his Musnad al-Shihab number 779. So he said it again. There is no worship devotion better than reflection. So if you apply that to the Quran, how on earth can you reflect upon it without trying to comprehend it? Right? So the comprehension, as the early goes, increases the, the worth of the worship. A simple and most excellent form of reflection 
is to thank our Lord for his blessings. Our beloved messenger said something very interesting. The first to be summoned to paradise shall be the ever grateful those who thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all circumstances. This is in Tabrani in his Osad number 3151, Tabrani in his Kabir number 12176. Now think about that. Who will be the first to enter paradise? It has to be the greatest people. So the Prophet was saying, these are the greatest people in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're doing shukr in every condition. Now what's interesting, Allah mentions conditions in the Quran. He will test you with loss of life, loss of uh, property, loss of wealth, loss of fruits, meaning children. Their tests. If you do shukr in all of those conditions, you're going to enter paradise with the elite. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Imagine how difficult is it to say in time of a, in time of a test. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. The Prophet promised, they will be the first. They're thanking their Lord in all circumstances. So what does that tell you? It tells you that you should always be doing shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, just to add this, which is interesting. There's a beautiful English verse which mentions, if dhikr had no virtue, fine, except being a path to loving the divine, stopping the youth from bugbiting and tail cutting, and from uttering that which corrupts their well-being, a great acquisition and an incentive it would be to engage in the dhikr of Allah abundantly. But due to our ignorance, our dhikr is rare, just as our worship of the deity is rare. <laughs> so note in whatever language the shayukh have given poetry, this is the English. If dhikr had no virtue except a path to loving Allah, that's all you need. That's just one of the blessings of dhikr. Then he said, stopping the youth from bugbiting and tail carrying and from uttering which corrupts their well-being. That's another blessing of dhikr. A great treasure incentive it would be to engage in the dhikr of Allah abundantly. But due to our ignorance, our dhikr is rare, just as our worship of the deity is rare. Meaning we're distracted. Takafir was interesting. Surah Takafir. It starts off with Takathur. What does it end with the Surah? <coughs> Anybody know? MashaAllah. anil na'im. So how many of you know Surah Takathur? Baha. Put your hand up. MashaAllah. Surah Takathur is a... You should, you know, I don't know what's happening in here. Wasting your lives. Is... It's an essential surah. The Prophet ﷺ, he said that whoever recites Surah Taqathr and weeps, he will enter paradise. <laughs> now, how? why would you weep? It's the dabbur. <laughs> is, eh, right? you're, you're reflecting upon it. So what does he say at the beginning? <laughs> you are distracted by Taqathr. The piling up distracts you. Distracts you from what? Zikr. <laughs> You should be piling up your deeds, not your dunya. And what does Allah say at the end? 
He actually gives you a clue what's causing it. On that day, you shall be questioned about the na'im, about the, the blessing. So what's Allah telling you? The more you take, the more I'm going to question you. So what is he really telling you? Be kind to yourself. Stop doing taqathur. Take little, so you'll have little questioning on the day of judgment. So look how beautiful the surah, and you know what the surah is talking about. It's talking about gratitude. Right? So note here, this is why our dhikr is there. What did the shaykh say? Because our ignorance. We think there's more important things to do. What's more important than the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And as the venerable Sheikh Abdul Rahman al Sufri, who died 894 AH, in his Nuzhat al Majalis wa Muntakhab al Nafais, the pleasant gatherings and the select precious matters, he had beautifully clarified. So, first, the Sheikh, who he passed away about 600 years ago, he wrote a beautiful work about these matters. He recited this verse, Surah al Isra, Surah 17, verse 44. Audhu Billahi تُسَبِّحُ لَهُ السَّمَاوَاتُ السَّبْءُ وَالْأَرْضُ وَمَّنْ فِيهِنْ وَإِن مِّن شَيْءٍ إِلَّا يُسَبِّحُ بِحَمْدِهِ وَلَكِن لَّا تَفَقَّهُونَ تَسْبِيحَهُمْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ حَلِيمًا غَفُورًا The seven heavens and the earth and all that is in praise him and there is not a thing but hymns his praise. But you do not understand their place. Lo, he is of forbearing, most forgiving. So he starts off with that verse. So what does Allah Ta'ala say? Everything is doing my dhikr. Everything. But then he says, You do not comprehend their tasbih. But then what does he say? This is interesting. Innahu kana haleeman ghafura. He is of forbearing. Most forgiving. The Shaykh said, It applies to the state of those addressed by the verse in three ways. So, what is he talking about? Allah is saying that he is of forbearing, most forgiving. Why does he say that after mentioning everything is doing my dhikr? He goes, There's three reasons he's mentioned those great names. The first, the vast majority of people are distracted from dhikr, unlike the heavens and the earth and all that is in. Therefore, these distracted ones become needy of for clemency and forgiveness. One will consider one's own feeble remembrance to be nothing. So Allah is telling you something. Your dhikr is quite pathetic. That's what he's basically telling you. But I'm the most forbearing. Meaning do it, but realize, you know, there's other things doing much more zikr than you. That's one meaning. The Shaykh then said the second. They do not understand the praise of all these objects. And this may be because they do not sufficiently contemplate, reflect upon them. Thus they then again become in need of clemency and forgiveness. Knowing their state still not reflecting upon this. So if somebody says to you, brother, can you hear the mountains of zikr? No. Why? Because we mean why? Allah has told you everything is doing zikr. You can't hear the zikr. Why? Meaning there's a hijab between you and them. There's a hijab between you and them doing zikr. So what's the hijab? 
The hijab is your negligence. So again, you are in need of forbearance and forgiveness. <laughs> then the Shaykh said, thirdly, the fact that they do not hear the praises may cause them to feel contempt towards these objects and drive them to deny the rights of creation. They again thus become in need of clemency and forgiveness. What does that mean? <laughs> Realizing our worth in that Allah the Almighty has subjected to us all these great creations and not vice versa which should then lead to further humility and gratefulness to our loving Lord. Who's remembering Allah 24-7? Mountains. Are you remembering Allah 24-7? No. So why are you serving the mountains? You should be serving the mountains. Rivers. 24-7. Yeah. What about your thicker? You should be serving the rivers. So a person goes, so what's your point? The point is, you should feel ashamed. So Allah is saying, I am the forbearing, I am the forgiving. This is the problem. People don't do the tabbat and the Quran. Right? They'll recite the verse, give you a translation. Hang on a minute, brother. What does Allah say? The seven heavens and the earth all praise him therein. There is not a thing but him's his praise. You don't understand their praise. Lo, he is of forbearing, most forgiving. What is Allah telling you? He's telling you, get on track. I'm the most forbearing. That's why he overlooks. Mm. The angels, what do they say? <laughs> in Hakim al-Tirmadi, in his Nawadir Urusul, the Prophet wasallam said that the angels, they say, he doesn't deserve to be forgiven, oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because, he's a, because he keeps sinning. Mm. Allah ta'ala responds, but am I not worthy to forgive? So now what's interesting about the divine response the angels say to Allah the Almighty, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Did Allah Ta'ala correct that? No. Means we don't deserve to be forgiven. That's correct. But Allah Ta'ala in His kindness, in His sublimity, He answers in the most eloquent way. He goes, but am I not worthy to forgive? Meaning you're looking at them, why are you looking at me? So the scholars point out again, why? Because we're not capable of thanking Allah Ta'ala enough. But at the very least, we should be trying to do something of the nature of, you know, showing gratitude. Mm. And nothing brings the heart back to rest more quickly and efficiently than dhikr. Why? Our beloved messenger said, When Adam descended upon India, he experienced great anxiety. Jibreel arrived and he recited the azan to him, which dispelled it. This is in Qanzul Umar, number 31,139. So imagine he's in paradise. Now he's in India. Poor boy. Even now, they won't tell me mother in law right? But anyway, right? Adam, he descends. He's in, you know. And why is, he, why is he anxious? The scholars give reasons. One is it was night. He's never seen night. There's no night in paradise. So, what is this? Where am I? He's cold, right? He never experienced cold. He's hungry, he's thirsty, he's never experienced it, right? So everything is what? Shaitan's waiting for him. Got him. Mission accomplished. <coughs> what did Allah the Almighty and Glorious do to calm his beloved? He sent Jibreel. And what did Jibreel do? He recited what? The Azam. Allahu Akbar. And he calmed him. So what does that tell you? Nothing brings the heart back to rest more quickly, efficiently, 
than the glorious dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where is children? Right? So, it's in our DNA. And this is why Hazrat Ali was once feeling a bit low. And the Prophet said to him, tell one of the family members to recite the azan in your ear. It will dispel the anxiety. Same sunnah. Ancient sunnah. This is one of the prescribed times to recite the azan. But how do you recite the azan in the ear? You don't put speaker on Right? You don't, you know, clear your lungs. You know, just nice and quiet. Azan, you're calling somebody to salat. <laughs> you know, the guy's, you know, virtually your lips are next to his ears. But the azan, what's interesting, when a child's born, the first thing you're supposed to do is do the azan in the right ear. Why? You know, all of this is very significant. The child doesn't understand what's going on. Correct? But are you telling me this is a redundant act? <laughs> Rasulullah will never tell you to do anything redundant. Even if you don't understand, he's helping the child. Imagine, he wants to hear the azan. And the scholars actually say that they go through a transformation from the angelic realm to the dunya realm. <laughs> Children are initially in the angelic realm. <laughs> And their language is that of the, the angels. You actually know it's children, they're actually talking when they when they you know a certain age, but what they what they're saying. They're actually having a full conversation. Oh no, 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 no. And then you're thinking, what are you saying? But then you go, yeah, but you look cute, you look like an angel. Then they lose it. Why? Because the world starts getting them. They're angelic, they've come from the ghab. Where they come from? Darwin. Dariwala, right? Monkey wallah, right? Where did they come from? Allah Ta'ala has given you a ghayb, a gift from the ghayb. And they send the angelic realm for a while. And you notice children start looking at things as well. They go, what are looking at? What's happening here? They can see everything. They see shaitans as well. And that's why they start crying middle of the night. Because they see something and you're there thinking, why is he? He's got a cigarette in mouth, mashallah, right? What's happening there? And then all of a sudden, he's got a cigarette in mouth a couple of years down line. So all I mentioned today was basically just prior to the holy month of Ramadan talking about the glorious Qur'an first and foremost and then mentioning of course the great dhikr of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and especially in the glorious month we should try our best to accelerate in these glorious commands of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are there any questions we'll ask سبحان الله بكرة بكرة